What does it take to be true to yourself? Be willing to walk away from every penny on the table. If you're not willing to do that, then you won't be able to be honest. Successful people don't find excuses. They negotiate around the impediments and they get to their vision. What do you need to remain true to your values? Be willing to tell the truth. Be willing to be fired. Be willing to make your own way in the world. Be willing to lose friends. Set boundaries. Be very comfortable with them. I'm disagreeable. I'm genuine. I'm reliable. I'm the most honest guy you know who can be a huge pain in the ass. And I'm okay with that. Our country's being overrun by Marxists. They've overrun our White House. The government has been taken over. If you see what communism and Marxism has done in the name of equality over the last 150 years, the numbers are astounding. Every place where this evil takes place, we see a willing compliance of the people that they'll all be ashamed about in a century. It's never simple. Freedom is not simple and it's not given to you. If it's given to you, it's not freedom. You no, gotta take fine. it. You gotta take it. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou. We have a very special guest here for you today. Today's guest, good friend of mine, uh, a veteran uh knife maker and a patriot greg medford medford knife and tool thanks for having me on man thanks for being here so first thing i want to remind folks of is that i'm a knife nut and one of the ways that you and i got connected is through my knife collecting habit and i i own five medford knives three flippers and two fixed blades but my favorite one is this one um fighter flipper and i'll tell you why it's my favorite one i mean well it's gorgeous it's fabulous you know big beefy blade the kind of blade that i like but i had this knife made for me special by you and your team and amy helped me do it when my father passed three and a half years ago and if you can see that his first and last name are there as well as the dates of his birth and the dates of his passing so this is the napoleon Ballou version of the uh medford knife and tool fighter flipper this is a very special knife to me and i and I thank you because whenever I hold this, it kind of has a connection for me with my father and you guys help make that happen. So God yeah. bless you, brother, for what you do. And God bless you for this fantastic knife. Um, So, Greg, the reason I asked you to come on the show today is we're living in a really wacky time, right? There are a lot of um, companies out there that are running scared because groups like George Soros's Open Societies Foundation and BlackRock, uh, the um, hedge fund that manages 11 trillion, are pushing companies to basically adhere to ESG and I think it's CEI scores that are basically some woke measurements that are forcing great American brands to cower in fear and do things that are not good for them. And You've always been somebody who said, hell with it, damn the torpedoes. I'm going to stand up for why, what I believe in. And I think that's one of the reasons for your success. And I'm wondering if maybe you could share some of your thoughts on this, because I'm sure you've been thinking about this issue a lot over the last little while. Sure. You ready for me to rip it? Rip it, bro. It's not the companies. It's not the companies. The companies uh, have no choice. You know, these, the bigger your company gets, the more you need access to capital. The bigger your company gets, the more you need access to the marketplace. And what's happened is, through social media, the social media are going to make some broad generalizations, but they are broadly and generally accurate or we wouldn't make them. Um, they're run by a bunch of skinny, jean-wearing, melbatose, soft pussy boys. Hey, yep. They are the... The entire tech industry is not being run by knuckle dragon men who changed the world. It's not being it's not being run by men who were in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's being run by softies with beard oil 
and uh, skinny jeans and they wear fake lumberjack boots to try and signal to other people that they're men because there's nothing manly about them with their soft pointy fingers that have never done anything but finch over a computer like Ebenezer Scrooge. So they're crafty, intelligent people who are mostly incompetent at life and they get a bunch of money and lose their minds. And so those folks are steering sway in the free marketplace like Zuckerberg. There's nothing about Zuckerberg that in any way, shape or form is manly. Nothing. Not his pointy head or his melbatose look or his soft hands. Nothing. There's nothing masculine about your defense for why you pulled down dissenting opinion on your social media site was because the government told you to. What a pussy. So my answer to all of this is, and this is the real answer, what does it take to be true to yourself? And what it takes to be true is be willing to walk away from every penny on the table. If your only goal is to be a money-grubbing whore, then any dollar you could possibly lose is going to sway your opinion. You have to be willing to walk away from money. If you're not willing to do that, then you won't be able to be honest. The problem with corporate America is it's run by people who aren't principals in the organization. They weren't the founders for them. There are very few founders in, in industry anymore. Now, why is Elon Musk such a uh, lightning rod? Why is he so interesting? He's a founder. You know, the founder of GE is not running GE. The founder of the vast majority of companies is not running them. No. So he's interesting because he's a founder. He has a different perspective. You know, if you talk to the founder of most of these companies, they would say Ishka Bibble to all of this um, equity and inclusion bullshit. They're doing it because they're being forced to by a bunch of the president of the United States is not running the United States. He can barely um, keep his diapers empty. There is a cabal of Marxists around him running. Joe Biden's got a 50 year track record of being a pretty moderate leftist. And all of a sudden, he's a goddamn Marxist radical. It's because he's not running the country. Ron Klain and a couple other people who we didn't vote for are running the country. And they point him in a direction and stick a pen in his hand, move his arm. It's weekend at Bernie's. It is. So so you've got gay. I know gay people. Gay people do not want what is going on in this country in the name of them done. Black people do not want what is going on in this country done in the name of them. Now, they may be pissed off still about racism because someone told them they ought to be. That, that's neither here nor there. Is there racism? Of course there is. The problem is we're sloppy with our language. There's racism, there's bias, and there's prejudice. Those are three different things. And those are at play all the time. How much is bias? How much is racism? How much is prejudice? And how much is it's just a dog-eat-dog competitive world and everyone's got an excuse for why they're not driving a nice car? Some of it is it's just fucking hard. You ask everybody who's done well and they can tell you 10 people who stood on their throats, didn't see their vision, or held them back because they didn't like them. Maybe they didn't like them because they're outspoken and have a beard and a shaved head like their Uncle Frank. Maybe they didn't like them because they were fat. Maybe they didn't like them because they were old. Maybe they didn't like him because they were too young. But there's a million people putting up impediments to your success along the way to success. And successful people don't find excuses. They negotiate around the impediments and they get to their vision. So if you, why do we have this going on? What do you need to remain true to your values? Be willing to tell the truth. Be willing to be fired. Be willing to make your own way in the world. Be willing to lose friends. If you lose friends because of your opinions, they weren't really your friends. You live in a delusion land. So I say just tell the truth and let the cards fall where they will. Here's what we know. If you make fun of your customers by saying they're fr too fratish or sophomoric and they need to be more woke and you sell Bud Light, you will collapse your billion-dollar company. They're, they're, that, that brand, the number one beer sold in America, is collapsing. And all it took 
was one uppity back east feminist Marxist. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's Jewish, but it grinds me that she is. It grinds me that she's a smarty pants telling us all we're a bunch of assholes. I don't know anybody that drank Bud Light who wants to beat up on gay people, who wants to be against black people, who's a fucking white supremacist. They want to drink their beer, ride their boat, watch a football game. They're just smug. I don't know anybody who's anti-gay except old people. There are old people where it's kind of ingrained in them and you just kind of shrug and you let it go. I, you know, you can't fix old people. You know what fixes old people? Time. They're going to be gone soon enough. You don't have to worry about them. Kids, kids aren't. I, look, I do not want my fellow citizens to live in fear. I do not want my fellow citizens to um, have unfair biases against them. I don't want people to not like fat people. That's just reality. I don't want people to not want to hire old people. That's just reality, though. It's bias. You ask anybody in the tech business about age, they're all whitening their teeth. They're all on um, some sort of semi-glutide trying to stay skinny. They're all trying to, they're all dyeing their hair. They're all trying to be young because you hit 40 in the tech business, you're a fucking dinosaur. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. The answer is our country's being overrun by Marxists. They've overrun our White House. Um, it's okay out loud to say you're part of a political party that killed 100 million people in the last century. And, you know, there's big numbers. If you see what communism and Marxism has done in the name of equality over the last 150 years, the numbers are astounding. Yeah. So, you know, what's going on is... Our, our political class and your political class in Canada are money-grubbing whores. We have, they have taken money from the Chinese. The Chinese have taken the money we've paid them by outsourcing our products, and they have bought us off. If you look behind the funding, you see Soros and China behind every mad policy that's driving this country into the cliff, into the rocks, off the cliff. So what do we do about it? Anybody that goes woke, you have to make a decision. You know, I made a decision about Nike. Nike has never purported to be anything but a made-in-Asia sports company taking advantage of cheap labor to sell very expensive sneakers to America's youth. They've never pretended to be anything else. I am the least conflicted by Nike of all of the companies. I don't consider them an, an American company. Apple, you know, a lot of American companies, once they make this move uh, and they, they go to China, they, they can't say the truth anymore because they're beholden to the Chinese on everything. So I, I honestly don't know what the answer is. I know that you make it in America and you, you don't owe anybody else. Nobody can sway you. I know that when I had a cybersecurity guy watch my website, we had been hit 80 million times an hour Chinese based server attacks. That's a real number. That's fucking crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I know that as the West gets comfortable and lazy, there are really hardworking Chinese people that everyone say, oh, they're good people. Yeah, you, you could say they're good people. They're not good yet. Were we good people when we had slaves? <laughs> Were American people prior to 1861? You ask your average person now, oh, America was a bad country. Before in the Civil War, it had approved of slavery. The truth is, almost nobody owned slaves, but a very few elite upper class. And the truth is, it was already a really good country. But well, were we all, were, 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 did we have no morals? Were we an awful country until slavery was blighted out? Because they've got slavery going on over there by any other name. They do. Are they all? Listen, the average Chinese person is, you know, a human being, and every human being has goodness in them, and every human being has a evil in them. That's that's a fact. You talk about the Chinese government, the CCP-run government, that's straight up evil, man. Straight up. It has, there is a tendency for our governments to reflect who we are. There's a great old quote that says, we all get the government we deserve. And think it's inaccurate you can't get dirty rotten communism going in america unless we all go dirty and rotten 
There's no way. You can't get dirty thieving. Now, look, your average person in China, they're just trying to feed themselves. But our vision of what the modern day China is like is very different than it really is unless you've been there recently. So I, I don't give them a pass for the immorality. Look, my I, friend, as a man who's lived in a tyrannical country, it's very difficult to open your mouth when they're going to kill every member of your family uh, and torture you. It's difficult. And uh, there's a lot of good it, people in countries like Iran that would love to be in a position to get rid of these guys. It's not so simple. It's not so easy to do. If you're in a relatively right. free country... I grant you what you said is accurate, but I don't think it can be accurate for a place where people rule with an iron fist and are willing to kill anything and anybody that opposes them. I will just remind you that all signatories of the Declaration of Independence, which started the great the, the, the great Western New World, all knew they would be hung for signing the document. And they didn't use nom de guerres, and they did it. And the British had no problem killing people in, seven, in the 1700s. So... I would say in all times, history is it is a prerequisite of culture and a group of people to have courage. But you got to have guns and weapons. The American people then had guns and weapons and they had access to it. And what the tyrants have learned is to disarm the people. If you disarm the people, it's a different story, man. It's a different story. You know why I think America's going to, in the end, be okay? Because you got 150 million patriots who are not going to give up their guns. Even if Joe Biden orders the military and the police to attack the Americans, they're going to die. Those 3 million men in the military are going to be dead. The 150 million patriots will overwhelm them. Well, Nikki, you're right now. But the whole thing about being a 3%er was that only 3% of Americans wanted to be free of England. And not everybody had guns. It wasn't a gun culture back then. We really weren't. So it's you just allowed to have them, unlike in China, we had the, Iran, where you're not. <laughs> well, I mean, we weren't supposed to have them. I mean, we got them. We got them from the French, who were basically at war with the English all the time. So it, it's it's we we have it. We like to paint with these broad strokes that made it easy in the past. Um, becoming America was like um, Puerto Rico deciding it wanted to be its. I don't know. It'd be like. Arizona breaking off and fighting the U.S. government, winning and becoming its own country. It's bananas. It should have never worked. But the truth is, it just takes courage of people, and they've got to muster the will, and they didn't have the money. And ask Washington, if you read his biographies, they didn't have the weapons. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have boots, for Christ's sake. Like, only one in three guys at Valley Forge had shoes. So it, it wasn't a well-heeled, well-armed populace. They were just willing. And what we see every place where this evil takes place is we see a willing compliance of the people that they'll all be ashamed about in a century. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to beg to differ with you on that. It's a little bit different. That's, like that's, that's okay. like I said, there's people, there's people that, yeah, the militaries weren't comparable, but the average person had a gun in his house. A free man could have a weapon today. A free man. There's no such thing as a free man in certain countries. It really isn't. Mm. Having a weapon is a reason to get shot. Speaking out against the government is a reason to have your family uh, taken away from you and killed. There are certain things that can't happen. I'm not saying people shouldn't go up against these guys. I actually think they should, but it's not as simple yep. as that, especially for yep. folks with families. No, it's never simple. Freedom is not simple, and it's not given to you. If it's given to you, it's not freedom. No, you got to take not. it. You got to take it. I'm wired a little differently, but if you ask me why we have diversity, equity, and inclusion officers taking over companies, it's because you have these large capital players and you have government agencies sending out memos to banks who are extensions of the U.S. government's Federal Reserve System that are publicly funded. They're, they're sending out memos to them saying to disfavor companies that don't have equity inclusion officers. Is it, why is it happening? It's at the behest of the government and cowardly companies. And nobody, nobody wants to be on something saying, uh, oh, no, nobody wants to be on a podcast, be the one saying, you know, gay people are fine. 
<laughs> and then some gay piece of gay person gets it. Nobody wants to be on saying racism's from the past. You say it, you're like, oh, you just open yourself up to the death threats. So there's zero incentive for anybody to stand up to it. And then the government is saying, we're going to limit your ability to have access to publicly funded, underwritten banks through the Federal Reserve System capital for your company. So, okay, I'll hire a fucking equity inclusion officer if that's what you need. Okay, fine. I got to keep busy. The government has been taken over. It has, 100%. Folks like George Soros and uh, his Open Society Foundation are pushing this. Larry Fink and BlackRock, they're pushing this. And the companies that are pushing back, those are the ones that are going to be part of the parallel patriot economy. And that's part of what Wayne Allen Root and I are pushing for in the two books we wrote, The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book, which is a list of 116 companies to boycott, and The Great Patriot Boycott Book, which is a list of 128 companies to buy from. And in, in our opinion, that list can grow and will grow. There are lots of companies that are not kowtowing to the woke mob. And it's our job as patriots to spend money with them. You know, yeah. um, that's the bottom line from my point of view. Um, and, you know, there's the quote from Edmund Burke, the only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to stand by and do nothing. And I agree with you right now. We all got to stand up. I mean, I wrote this book. I, I'm doing this podcast. You, you know, I'm going on TV shows like Wayne's. I'm going on TV shows like Rebel News in Canada, whom Trudeau hates. And I'm speaking out against this crap. And I'm here to say that um, minorities are fine. As a minority myself, as an Iranian, you know, olive-skinned brown man, we're fine. We're good. It's all good. It's not 1933. It's 2023. We've made a lot of progress. Is there still some some bias, prejudice, racism, discrimination? Absolutely. Is it stopping anybody from living a great life? Hell no. Hell no. No. And I, I tell you, I, I talk to people of color. I talk to immigrants. I talk like everywhere I go. You could ask my team that travels with me. When I talk to people, I'm always I'm talking to Uber drivers. Hey, where are you from? What brought you here? And uh, um, when I meet, like I, I saw a flamboyantly gay uh, guy the other day, and I stopped and talked. I said, hey, chat with me for a minute. <laughs> I said, I'm a knuckle dragon knife maker. I'm in an insular world of ex-military and kind of make stuff for kind of guys who hunt and stuff. Tell me about your universe. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I go, you know, and I asked him about pro bias and prejudice. And the dude was a, a total, what we would, in the old days, we'd call him a complete and utter flamer. He was a totally effeminate, out, out loud. And he's like, he said, I don't want any of these government groups speaking for me. And it's a common theme that I've, I talked to a trainee a couple years ago. Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to say tranny anymore, but I talked to tranny. <laughs> I have no problem with trannies. And I'm like, hey, tell me what's going on in your universe. Let me ask you one, where did you get the size 14 Christian Louboutins? Because I know Christian Louboutin only makes up the size 10 and a half. How do you have 14s? And then they find out, I found out where they get their shoes from a, a fake store up in San Francisco. But nice. <laughs> what you find out is they do not want their cause hijacked by the mob. And that's what's going on. And the Democrats in our country, in the United States, have been really good. They have hijacked the feminist movement. They've hijacked the abortion movement. What they want to do is they want to own these voting blocks. They don't give two shits about what's happening to those people. So what's going on is they own this. They own the issue. They never fix the problem. Never. And now they're cramming it down our throats because the average person, the last thing they would ever want is for someone to point a finger and say, you're a racist. They lose their shit because it's like the worst thing you could call somebody now. People call me a racist and I go, okay, now what? Is that is that all you got? I mean, every Republican on radio ever has been called a racist. Every Republican on TV has been called a racist. Every Republican that's ever run for federal office has been called a racist. And the only elected officials that have been part of the Ku Klux Klan in the last 75 years have been Democrats. So how is that possible? So here's the thing that I say to people, that that is, you know, one thing that we've got to absolutely push back hard on. You know, Robert Greene, you know, Robert Greene, he wrote the 48 Laws of Power. You know that book? I'm familiar with the name, and the, but I haven't read it. 
so bro, you got to read Robert Greene. You're going to like th this man's a deep thinker when he talks about power. He talks about uh, human nature, war, seduction. He's brilliant. You got to read his shit. You're going to love it. So I think I've got one of his books right here. Let me actually pull it out, show it to you. So um, Robert Greene wrote a book called The 38, 33 Strategies of War. This is it. This is the point. You, I'm sure you've seen this around before somewhere, right? It's been around a while. So um, he says that when you're going to war with somebody, one of the strategies to defeat them is to attack them where they think they're strong. So the lefties, they think that they're strong. Yeah, I'll put in this book back's proven to be a little bit more challenging than I thought. They think they're strong on the issue of racism. I think they're not. And so when they call me a racist, because I've been called a racist, surprise, surprise. First thing I do is if it's a white guy, I just go, that's rich coming from a white racist, white supremacist liberal. Folks like you have always been saying that brown people like me, you know, there's something wrong with us. Are you saying that because I'm brown and Middle Eastern, I'm not allowed to have my own opinion? So I go on offense. 99% of the time, they collapse. And I mean collapse. They, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, no. They just, they can't even handle it. 1% of the time, they fight back. But what they don't realize is I'm actually a real man. I'm not a pussy. I'm not backing down. You come at me, I'll come at you 30,000 times harder until you shut up or you run away. And that's how it works. And when a leftist or a Democrat calls you a, ref, a racist, the first thing you got to do is go, I'm sorry, you Democrat, the party of slavery and racism, how dare you? And just go on offense. Go on offense. They'll collapse. They're wimps. They're pussies. They haven't got the balls to stand up against anybody who speaks out against them. So in Canada, the, the prime minister, Trudeau, well, he used to wear blackface for fun, for shits and giggles. And he likes to lecture us on racism. So whenever I'm on a show, this is how I refer to Trudeau. So I refer to him as our blackface-wearing racist prime minister. And I make sure I say that entire sentence, that entire phrase, every time I refer to him on the air. And that sticks. That hurts. That's what you got to do. If you're living today and you shrink away from someone's attack on you as a racist from the left, you're toast. You're done. This guy, Anthony Bass, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, had some Instagram posts basically calling Bud Light and Target demonic and encouraging people to boycott them. In Toronto, they went crazy. Oh, they said, oh, my God, no, you can't. You've you got to apologize. And like a dummy, he apologized. And the Blue Jays just cut him loose. And that was a huge, huge mistake. He should have gone on offense. He should have not only don't I apologize, he should have doubled and tripled down on it. And then let them fire him if they want to. And then he's got a case for, you know, religious discrimination against them. Because the laws that are on the books don't allow for that kind of crap. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, it's a little different for me. The problem is, is I don't get attacked by anybody. The mob goes after my customers. So I've been canceled. I've lost customers. I've lost business over it. And uh, and I'm I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. Most people aren't. It's okay. I don't need to be the richest guy in the world. You know, there you go. Um, but you see, because you are who you are, you attract a lot of customers too. I that's the power of being a patriot. Is there's I probably folks. I probably do get some customers because of it. I don't know. I don't know if the protest amounts to a hill of beans. I don't. I don't think it does. But it sometimes stings. Stings a little bit. You know. Hey, uh, from my point of view, um, Medford Knife and Tool is one of the patriotic companies in America. And um, it's one of the reasons I buy from you, quite frankly. It's one of the reasons I wear shirts that you make that have the American flag on it, even though I'm a Canadian. I'm the most American Canadian you're going to meet. <laughs> and um, I think you probably, on balance, gain more customers than lose them because of who you are. You know, that's my belief. Yeah. And I think it's probably true. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing that you you stand up and you have these conversations because there's not a lot of businessmen that are willing to do that. And I think you're right. It takes a founder to do it. You know, if there's a, if Medford Knife and Tool uh, one day passes on into the hands of a professional manager who has no connection with you, maybe he'll be a pussy too. I don't know. Yeah, of course you will. You know, the only, the only people you see doing it are, are uh, like, like Elon Musk is doing it and he's not as radical as I am. He's just saying, you know, equality for all. 
and he's being derided as a cr- lunatic fringe conservative by the left now. You hear the late? It's hilarious because so many goddamn lefties own his battery mobiles, and they are all just melting down because they like they own one of the most expensive, poorly made cars ever made, so that they can virtue signal the world how good they are and feel good. And the guy that runs the company is basically flipping over the table on the corporate media collusion establishment in Washington. It's hilarious. I find I it I think it's great. Frightful. I find it funny too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love all these virtue signals signalers that want to get rid of their Tesla, but they can't. It's great, man. It's absolutely <laughs> great. So if you were to give some advice to some men who are listening to this show, some of them may be owners. Most of them probably aren't. They work for somebody. What would be your advice? How can they find the fire within to stand up and be counted and be one of those good men who does something and not one of those good men who stands by and does nothing? Well, I'll tell you, it is... um... It is a battle of a thousand little aggressions. It's a battle of a thousand little boundaries. And one of the ways that you start, I think, is you read some Carl Jung and you read about individuating. Because the people who fall into this group think are non-individuated folk. Um, When you become individuated truly, and so... Look into the psychology of individuation and get it, read some Carl Jung, read about some of the archetypal personalities that he talks about that are within us and find out about what it's like setting boundaries with your parents and your children and your friends and your countrymen. And when you start setting those boundaries, people that are in your Jordan Peterson, I know you probably listen to Jordan Peterson. He's got a great little kind of line in his logic and in his ethos, his worldview, where he talks about disagreeable people have a tendency to make more money and get by better. It's not being disagreeable for the sake of disagreeable. There are a couple of natures I've seen in human beings. There are certain human beings who behave a certain way that causes the least amount of upheaval for the people around them. They're the most likely to acquiesce to all the relatives wanted to go to the most inconvenient home for Christmas. They're the ones who are the, they're most likely to eat shit from coworkers because they just don't want to stir anything up. And they, they think they're keeping the peace, but really they're eating shit. And it's a, and it's death by a thousand cuts. Yep. And it's okay to say, no, I, I don't want to do that. And then you got to be willing to walk alone and that's okay too. Um, but it's really about setting boundaries saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. Or your boss says, you say, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with that. That That's, that's not the job description. That, I, I'm, is that my job now? Cause if my job's lying, I, I can't do that. Oh no, 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 no. Like, I think it's really important to set boundaries and be very comfortable with them and know that initially everyone's going to caterwaul and not be happy about it. Once you individuate as a man, if you get into the psychology of why men are emasculated, it's because of mommy and daddy issues and that they haven't finished doing their work. When you finish doing your work and you truly individuate, a lot of people don't individuate until their parents die. If you can do it while your parents are alive, it's the cleanest way to do it because they will own their shit and you're not stuck carrying the baggage of your ancestors. Then you set those emotional boundaries. You set those life habit boundaries. And you set those political boundaries. And then, believe it or not, I think those, it's just like Rudy Giuliani's fixing of New York back in the 80s. He said, start arresting jaywalking. Start arresting for littering. Start arresting for spitting on the sidewalk. And all of the other stuff cleans it up. Setting boundaries with your friends and your coworkers and your boss makes you feel less imposed by the man. And when you are not, a little whelp being just pushed around by the man, the man, then you can be a man. But you can't be a man if the man is always telling you what to do and you just acquiesce to everything. So there is a certain amount of being somewhat disagreeable. 
And disagreeable means I just don't tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth as I see it. And it's going to be uncomfortable for you. And your opinion of me over the years will be, I'm I'm disagreeable. I'm genuine. I'm reliable. I'm the most honest guy you know who can be a huge pain in the ass. And I'm okay with that. Amen. You know, I, I am familiar with Jordan P. He lives in my city in Toronto. So, you know, I, I love the man. He taught at the University of Toronto, which is my alma mater. That's where I got my undergraduate degree. So I'm proud of that. And I really appreciate what you just shared because I think about it. I'm a disagreeable man. I'm not somebody who takes shit. I'm somebody who dishes it out. And it's something I'm proud of, you know, because I'm not here to put up with people's bullshit. How old are you? 55. So we're the same age. So there's a there's a kind of, and you know this, I'm sure you know this, there's this very fine line we walk. And uh, I don't take shit, but I don't give it out either. Uh, I'm disagreeable. Uh, right up to the point I see that it won't do any good, and then I disengage. I don't have battles for the sake of battles anymore. Um, I will only step into a battle where I know I'm right, and I will avoid battles where it doesn't matter if I win. Sometimes you can be right. It just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> so sure. I've found personal relationship life. I'm less concerned about being right. Sure. And, I'm, and, uh, and, and because even if I win this argument, this conflict, this thing, how is it in bettering my, be make my life better? It's my opinion and it's not making my life better. So I let that stuff go. So I'm actually, I'm really easygoing until you're wrong and it matters to me. And then I'm still easygoing, but I'm disagreeable. Nope, that doesn't work. Can't do that. And and um, and I try to think about like, I try to have my disagreement be something my grandfather, if he was to watch me, who's passed on, he'd be proud of how I conduct myself. So I'm 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 uh, I'm disagreeable. Uh, when I'm in the right and when it matters. And then the rest of the time, I'm pretty easygoing. But it's been a while for me. It's taken a while for me to find that place. But my country and the politics, uh, the closer I got to it, and I got really close this last cycle, the more disgusted by it I was. And the more comfortable I am with the whole thing burning to the ground, quite frankly, because I think it's spoiled beyond fixing. Yeah, how, I think you how, might be right. You know, how do we propel it a little bit longer? Tell the truth, make everybody uncomfortable, make them all squirm, call them out on their inconsistencies. And I call Republicans out all the time. I'm like, listen, how do you feel about the Second Amendment? And they go off about the Second Amendment, the founding fathers and freedom and individual liberty and the right to protect yourself and your family, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great. How do you feel about abortion? Well, we can't injure the, un, you know, we, we, well, we have to protect the unborn. And I say, well, listen, this is where your argument doesn't hold water with me. I Now, I agreed with your Second Amendment. Right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It is a way for us to keep our oppressors at bay and keep them afraid of us. It's not really about protecting your house. That was assumed in 1783. It was this, There were no police forces. It was assumed you would protect your family. They weren't writing about that. They were writing about, we just got out from under a king. Here's how we make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> and so when people talk about the Second Amendment, I'm like, I am all for it. And they're like, yeah, he's one of my people. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I say, what do you think about, you know, people getting shot at schools and in malls? They say, well, you're going to, you're going to, you know, that's, that's the price of being free. And I go, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you. How do you feel about abortion? And then they say, oh, the sanctity of life and the sanctity of life. And I go, hey, bullshit. I go, you've had since 1972, 73 to make that argument. The needle's gone the opposite direction in the whole country. And it, you're either okay with people's right to self-determinism and their freedom, and you're okay with a little death while that goes on, or you're not. One or the other. They are the same argument, though. If you're pro-life, you ought to be anti-gun. Because innocent people, you're worried about innocent people getting killed. So what's happened is we've stopped critically thinking. We've become inconsistent. And anybody can say anything and everything's relative. There's nothing true anymore. 
People say, oh, it was nobody's fault. Our, we just grew apart. Eh, there's usually some fault. What happened? Well, we're not, we don't want to say anything because now we just don't love each other and it's not worth the fight. That's usually what it is. But really, what happened? There's something true that happened. Nobody wants to say that anymore. So everything's relative and people stop critically thinking. And if you want to know why diversity, equity, inclusion has taken over for less than 1% of the population is driving the entire body of political discourse. It's because nobody argues about anything anymore. Nobody thinks clearly about anything more. Nothing's based in logic and ration. It's all emotional. So I look at why is it people who value the sanctity of life are totally okay with the innocents being slaughtered by the thousands by guns, and they're totally okay putting people to death in prisons. I'm not cool with people being slaughtered. I don't think it's the guns that are at fault. I think it's the coarsening of society and its values and its morals that are at fault because 100 years ago, you know, gun laws were less strict than they are now and fewer people were getting killed by people all around because we had a more moral society, number one. So I ain't cool with that. And there's lots of reasons for that bigger conversation than we're going to have here. Um, death penalty. Yeah, I think it ought to be applied in certain circumstances. 100%. Um, somebody that kills little kids, they should be killed. Period. Full stop. End the story from my point of view. Um, I'm not a fan of abortion either. I used to be pro-choice until the first time I, I went and I saw my then wife's belly with our little boy in it. And I saw the ultrasound. In that moment, I wasn't pro-choice anymore. What can yeah. I tell you? Yeah. Am I yeah. radical about it? Do I go around screaming at people? No. But personally... Nah, that's not something I'm I'm all about. Uh, and I'd support politicians who are against it and all that good stuff. The problem we have right now in the West is people are weak. People are weak-minded. They don't try to think for themselves. They follow whatever the narrative is that's out there and they pretend they're thinking for themselves. And that's hilarious to me. I find that highly entertaining. The humans have a a knack the most what's the most immature part of our brain it's the part we all reside in yeah it's a cerebral cortex it's the most recently developed part of the brain it's the new part of the brain and we basically we can rationalize and make up bullshit to go along with any little whim we have so i'm very careful about letting my rational brain make decisions that are in contretemps to my core beliefs. So yeah. I happen to be okay with random death because I value freedom way more than people getting killed. There's a whole lot of people and freedom's going away. So at this time in my life, in my country, I value freedom more than anything. I value it way more than safety. And the founding fathers had this discussion. I can't remember who said it, but he who values safety more than freedom deserves neither. I forget who's, ben who's one of the founders. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Right. Right. Yeah. So freedom is like the cornerstone of the American. It, it, it wasn't the sanctity of life. No, it was freedom. 100% agree. Right. So when it comes down to a decision about the freedom of women to choose, they've turned that into a feminist issue and they split the country in half. And now half the country votes over an issue that doesn't matter in the socioeconomic future of our country. It does not matter. It has zero effect on anything other than crime rates 20 years from now. It, it, it doesn't matter. And the whole country is tearing itself apart over that. Just like diversity, equity, inclusion. There is zero outcome to our culture's advancement, no matter what side we go down, except if we go down on the side of diversity, equity, and conclusion, it is the melting of Western civilization because it truly means logic and rationale don't matter anymore. And the only thing that's valuable is feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in today's world, Greg, we've got to, we got to exhort the youth to stand up for freedom because nothing, nothing on earth matters more than freedom. And if we lose freedom in the United States of America, we're going to lose it around the globe. And that's a fact. And there's an actual cold civil war going on in the United States. And the forces of light are contending with the forces of darkness. And the forces of light are standing up for freedom. 
So the how with diversity, equity, and inclusion, the how with the ESG movement, we've got to stand up for freedom. If we don't draw the line in the sand here, we're done. Yeah. And I think, you know what's funny is, just like all leftist, Karen, bossy, overseers who want to be in charge of you, they had a point in 1953 at Selma or whatever year it was. They had a point about excluding, you know, uh, uh, the exclusion of blacks from voting. They had a point 50 or 70 years ago. They're acting like people are still actively trying to stop black people from voting. That's not true. That's not. Um, in the 1980s, I remember a homosexual kid in Texas was drugged behind a truck and killed. The vast majority of people in Texas did not want a homosexual kid drug behind a truck and killed. One moron did a killing. And they use stuff like that to do these power grabs that are out of control. And kids have been having to eat this shit for years now. And their kids are becoming more conservative over the last couple of years, which is fascinating to me. As they get inundated with this, the truth, they start to know that it's not true. You know, we know what's right and wrong deep down inside. You don't need to go to graduate school and, and read Kafka to know what's wrong. <laughs> you know it in first grade. And these kids are getting sense like, God, you know, what are they talking about? Why? So being told that you can and can't say how you have to behave. It, the sales pitch, it takes time and it drives us crazy what's going on. But I think it's starting to, I think it's starting to change. I agree. And I know why the kids are becoming more conservative. Because the kids are always anti-establishment and counter to whatever you're trying to shove down their throats. So in the 60s, Fantastic. they were all a bunch of lefties because the establishment was trying to shove down, you, you know, sclerotic conservatism down their throats. Now the establishment is trying to shove down sclerotic liberalism down their throats. And they're basically saying, fuck you guys. Yep. We don't truck with this. Yeah. And the worst part about it is the very people that you think you're helping, they're not part of your movement for the most part, although you can find you can find your your radical black that wants to support BLM. Um, even though they may empathize with some of the sales pitches of movement, they don't want that movement. No. Um, they end up being deserved by it because it is such a stupid, radical overreach that the reaction to it that comes out starts looking racist because people are fed up. Because it will... you you. An alien or a foreigner might surmise, oh, Americans are bigots. They don't like gay people. Bud Light did a thing about uh, a trans person and everyone quit drinking the beer because they're all afraid of becoming a trans if they drink the beer. Nope. We're being we're sick and tired of having shit crammed down our throats. It had nothing to do with trans. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I think. So. Yeah, that's what Joe Rogan said is people are getting sick of the shit being crammed down their throats. And we are. Yep. Listen, growing up, I had two two men who were my best friends. Uh, one was a uh, was an Italian man, and the other one was a South African fellow. A South African fellow came out as gay to me many years later, and I knew he was gay before he came out. I mean, it was it was starting to get obvious. And when he came out to me, he was like nervous and scared because I'm from Iran, and you know how they treat gay yeah. people in Iran. They hang them from the nearest yeah. plane, right? Yeah. So he just said you know, are you, are you going to stop being my friend? And I said, man, you're my fucking brother. I don't give a shit what you like, who you're attracted to. I said, look, I respect you for who you are. You respect me for whom I am. We're going to get along just fine. And that was great. Now, many years later, this fellow started to um, experiment, started dating girls and then dated men and dated girls and dated men and it messed with his mind and he killed himself. He fucking killed himself over being gay. He couldn't handle it. In Canada, where it's a pretty open and tolerant place when it comes to people's sexuality. Yeah. And um, when I was 17 years old, my dad owned a tanning salon. And I worked in it. It was in the gay ghetto in Toronto. All our clients were either gay men or women who worked in the fashion industry. That's it. Great for a 17-year-old to see the women who worked in the fashion industry. They were all hot women, so it was great. And the gay guys... 
all took me under their wing as their little brother because they knew I wasn't gay and it was all cool. I never had an issue with gay people. When I was 18 years old, I went to a um, a pride parade in Toronto. Back then, it was just one day on a weekend. It wasn't a whole month, you know. And, and the guys there would just like my my you know my buddies. They would tell all their gay buddies, "Yo, he's straight. He's with us. He's just here because he's here. He wants to see what this is all about. Y'all leave him alone." And they did. They were all respectful. They all left me alone. No issues with it. I had a, I had a hell of a time. Actually, there were some straight girls there. It was kind of fun, you know. But now, man, it's nuts. Now Pride is nuts. It's a whole fucking month. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's in every store you go to. It's on a gazillion ads. And it's not like, hey, we're gay. It's cool. It's it's like, you better approve of this. You better say it's great. Or else we're going to take everything that matters to you. And that I got a real fucking issue with. I keep asking for a pride discount. It's driving people crazy. It's hilarious. <laughs> they got the especially got the sticker up on the door. I'm like, hey, I want these Christian Louboutin shoes, but I want a pride discount because I'm gay. And they're like, uh, get your manager. You either pride or you aren't. And they're it, it's hilarious. <laughs> Greg Medford, you you are an American original brother. That's hilarious. Like, hey, I want my pride discount. I'm proud and I'm here. I'm gonna spend my proud money. <laughs> I just don't want to spend so much of it, but it's fun. It's, I just have a little fun with it all. Cause you keep, I, I try not to get too worked up because uh, this stuff was pushing me over the edge. No, no well, brother, thanks uh, for coming on the show. Thanks for being an example of standing up for your values and your beliefs. You're a man who's been willing to lose business over this. And ironically, I think it's gained your business, but I, I really appreciate you coming by. And I think that every man who has an opportunity to listen to this will get an on-the-job training on how to behave in a courageous manner when owning a company. So, You know, I think, uh, can I plug my podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, if you guys want to hear me talk politics with Kerry Lake or congressional candidates, senatorial candidates, uh, just general notable personalities, business people, gold traders, stockbrokers, veterans maybe seals um i have a podcast you can find me on itunes spotify and rumble it's called the greg medford show you can also go check me out on youtube and see some of the less edited stuff there love it man look forward to listening to your interview with carrie lake man you got to connect me with her i like her man i'd like to interview her myself i think she'd be great right, cool. my business show cool. awesome see you man. All right, man catch you on the flip side thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast if you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.